Hello, and welcome to the November 2018 Respiratory Care Editor's Commentary Podcast. Home oxygen therapy for patients with COPD continues to be prescribed based on studies that are nearly 40 years old using established technology. The introduction of competitive bidding for home oxygen therapy is perhaps the most significant change in the supply chain in decades. Almatari et al. explore patient perspectives of home oxygen therapy using qualitative analysis of an open-ended survey in over 300 subjects. They report significant concerns by patients related to mobility, weight of devices, and ability of the devices to meet their oxygen requirements. Respondents reported that mobility was discouraged by unsatisfactory physical and performance characteristics of cylinders and concentrators. Jacobs and Garvey provide a poignant editorial on the new competitive bidding process and how the system prioritizes providers, not patients. They bring to light the importance of healthcare providers focusing on patient needs and understanding the process from prescription to placement. ARDS remains a complex syndrome with excess mortality in the intensive care unit. Early implementation of lung protective ventilation and restriction of FiO2 might modify the incidence and severity. Yadav and colleagues describe the use of biomarkers to predict ARDS following surgical intervention. These subjects represent a unique cohort where biomarkers and interventions can be studied. They report that the dysregulation of coagulation, inflammation, and epithelial injury are early pathophysiologic features of postoperative ARDS. In an accompanying editorial, Santiago et al. opined that these markers might be useful in predicting postoperative ARDS and modifying therapy to reduce injury. They also suggest that postoperative and posttraumatic ARDS may be different in pathophysiology to ARDS due to sepsis or medical diagnosis. Bellini and co-workers described the measurement of diaphragmatic electrical activity using surface electromyography, monitoring a number of traditional variables and ventilated subjects on three levels of pressure support ventilation. They found that surface measures of EADI provided reliable estimates of muscle pressure. This finding could allow the use of a surface signal to control the ventilator and avoid esophageal intubation. In an accompanying editorial, Kasmeric and others applaud this potential advancement but warn of complicating factors, including obesity, as hurdles that which must be overcome. Barassa et al. evaluate the work of breathing in normal volunteers while breathing through a gas mask with a CBRN filter. They demonstrate significant increases in indices of respiratory effort by as much as 30 to 60%, which are easily overcome by these normal volunteers. Gas exchange was unaffected. The CBRN system is relied upon in a number of circumstances. The impact in subjects with lung disease should be evaluated. Harb and colleagues evaluated salbutamol delivery with both a metered dose inhaler and mesh nebulizer during NIV in a group of COPD subjects. They compared the impact of a preliminary MDI delivery followed by delivery via the mesh nebulizer using different spacers. Using urinary salbutamol concentration and drug concentrations from filters placed at the mask, they report that there were no differences between the T-piece and the spacer, but that a preliminary MDI resulted in a marginal increase in drug bioavailability. Saeed et al. evaluated the impact of fill volume of a jet nebulizer and humidification on aerosol delivery during NIV and COPD subjects. The jet nebulizer required greater fill volumes to achieve the same aerosol delivery as a mesh nebulizer. In this study, humidification had no impact on aerosol delivery with either nebulizer. Breast sounds are a common assessment tool of the respiratory therapist. Jacome and coworkers evaluated breast sounds during natural and standardized breathing in a general population. 
They report that breathing technique had an impact on both abnormal and normal lung sounds, but that neither technique was superior at identifying lung disease. Mara et al. evaluated the impact of NIV on exercise capacity in COPD subjects during a six-week rehabilitation program. This randomized trial compared rehabilitation alone to rehabilitation with NIV. Both groups improved on six-minute walk distance and health-related quality of life indicators. The NIV group also had improvements in peak oxygen consumption and peak oxygen saturation, suggesting that addition of NIV might reduce symptom burden. Cheung et al. evaluated airway remodeling in asthmatic subjects compared to a normal controls using high-resolution CT. They reported that airway remodeling in asthma is more prominent in distal airways and in lower lobe bronchi. These findings have implications for asthma management. Kant and others evaluated nebulized mannitol in subjects with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Mannitol is used with inhaled interferon but can cause bronchospasm and cough. The authors utilized different formulations and different nebulizers to alter the particle size and distribution. When a particle distribution of 1.2 microns was used, coughing was abated. This approach allows mannitol to be aerosolized with fewer complications. The introduction of ventilator-associated events for tracking respiratory infections has led to some widespread misunderstandings. Chow and co-workers evaluate the use of fluid balance to identify pulmonary edema in subjects with VAE. They retrospectively reviewed records for data regarding ventilator-associated conditions, infection-related ventilator-associated complications, possible VAP, and ventilator-associated pneumonia. They report that fluid balance may be useful in identifying VAE related to pulmonary edema versus infectious complications. Portable bedside ultrasonography has a wide variety of potential uses. Fuso et al. provide a narrative review of ultrasonography of the mediastinum and the potential uses in clinical medicine. San Piang and others describe a systematic review discussing body position and chest wall motion in normal adults. They suggest that changes in the body's position could have some effect on the movements of the rib cage and abdomen, resulting in variations in lung volumes, which need to be interpreted with caution. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There, you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.